Welcome to Apologetics with Brian O'Connell, where in each episode, I answer difficult questions that confront Christianity. In our last episode, we started looking at the book of Deuteronomy and the command given by God to annihilate complete people groups. I brought up four points that I started to address. First, that God's wrath is righteous judgment being poured out on the wicked. Second, you have not been saved because of your righteousness. Third, God's righteous judgment on the nations is a sample of his wrath to come. And my fourth and final point is that God's free offer of grace will save you from the wrath to come. Due to time, I was only able to address the first two points. In today's episode, I'd like to pick up where I left off in our last episode and address the last two points. So let's begin. The third point that I want to make, as I already mentioned, is that God's righteous judgment on the nations is a sample of His wrath to come. This wrath is not limited to Nazi war criminals like Rudolf Haas or other mass murderers. God's wrath is being poured out on everyone. And it's being poured out on everyone because we are all guilty before a holy God. Where do we find this in Scripture? The New Testament repeats this message over and over again. For example, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, God tells us through the Apostle Paul that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. People are without excuse. No one can claim that they didn't know that God was real. No one can claim ignorance as their defense. God makes this clear to them in the next two verses, where he says that what may be known about God is plain to them, because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. As these verses show, people are without excuse, and God's righteous judgment and wrath will be poured out on all mankind because they suppress the truth about God by their wickedness. In the book of Revelation, we see the final judgment of the nations take place in Revelation chapter 19, verse 5, and in chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, where in these verses, it mentions the wrath of God being poured out on the nations and God's final judgment taking place. More than that, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it tells us that anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, if I were to end this episode here, it would all seem hopeless, especially if you don't yet have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. However, as I keep pointing out, context is everything. The context of Scripture shows us that God's wrath is poured out on the wicked. It's crucial that you know this. I admit that this and the last episode are not feel-good, warm and fuzzy episodes. Nevertheless, the message from Scripture is a life-saving message that there is hope for you. Now, 
This episode does not come across as a message of hope, but it is. For example, the person that gets news from their physician telling them that they have an aggressive deadly cancer does not enjoy receiving that news. However, they need to first be told about and understand their condition before they would be willing to hear about treatments. If your doctor tells you that you have an aggressive stage 4 cancer that is going to take your life, it would be shocking news. If he tells you that there is a treatment that is 100% effective in removing all cancer, you would listen to what the treatment was and you would accept it. But if your doctor didn't tell you about the aggressive stage 4 cancer that you have, but instead told you that he would like to get you started on chemo and other aggressive cancer treatments, you would refuse and claim that you are not in need of any treatments. Sadly, this is how many people view themselves. They don't realize that they have a terminal condition that is going to result in their death. This disease that they've been infected with is sin, and it is terminal. However, this brings up another issue. You might be listening to this episode and be tempted to think that you're not wicked and therefore this message doesn't apply to you. You may be tempted to think that you're a good person and therefore not in danger of receiving God's wrath. But let me ask you, where are you getting your standard for what's good and evil or wicked and righteous? The truth is, that standard of measure that you're using comes from the world and not from the creator of the world. And because of this, you're setting yourself up for failure. Listen to what God says about whether or not you're good or righteous. God tells us in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 that even our most righteous deeds are filthy rags. I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but in case you missed that episode, let me explain what this verse is talking about. In our Western world, we completely miss the point of what God is saying here. He's not saying that our most righteous deeds are like filthy rags that we can just take off and wash. No, he's saying that our most righteous deeds are like Ebola-contaminated clothing that is only worthy of destruction. This is not our worst deeds. God is describing our most righteous deeds. He's saying that our most righteous deeds condemn us. In other words, on our own merit, we are doomed for destruction. You might still be tempted to compare yourself to others and think, well, I'm definitely better than the Nazi war criminal Rudolf Haas or Hitler or any other mass murderer like Joseph Stalin. However, you might be surprised to learn that you're not as innocent as you might think when you compare yourself to God's standard. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives his famous Sermon on the Mount. In his sermon, Jesus shows his audience that they are not as innocent as they think they are. In chapter 5 verse 21, Jesus quotes from the Ten Commandments and says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. The crowd that Jesus was speaking to was thinking to themselves, Well, I haven't murdered, 
So I'm right before God. But listen to what Jesus says next. After saying, you've heard that it was said, you shall not murder. Jesus goes on to say in verse 22, but I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus doesn't just address murder in our anger. He also addresses several other topics, including the topic of adultery. In fact, listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. In this verse, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. For anyone that was in the crowd that Jesus was speaking to, that was tempted to think that they were innocent before God because they hadn't committed adultery, listen to what Jesus says next. He says in verse 28, But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In this verse, it's clear that if we've looked at someone with lust, we've committed adultery in our hearts. Sadly, in our modern culture, people don't think that adultery is a bad thing or something that will send them to hell. This is what happens when we live according to the world's standards. Listen to how serious even our lust is in the eyes of God. After Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart, he goes on to say in verses 29 and 30, that if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now, Jesus is not actually telling us to pluck out our eyes and chop off our hands. What he's doing, though, is letting us see the seriousness of our actions and that these actions will lead us to hell. It's clear from all these verses that I've just read that we are guilty before a holy God. Although we did not carry out the mass murder of millions of people like Rudolf Haas or Hitler, we are still guilty before God because of our murderous hearts due to our anger. Not only that, but our lustfulness has made us guilty before a holy God due to our adulterous hearts. As much as we would like to claim to be innocent before God, there are no innocent people. We have all sinned. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we read that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin is not something to be taken lightly. Our sin has separated us from God and as Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of our sin is death. The question we should be asking ourselves is not, why would God pour out his wrath on the nations? No, the question we should be asking ourselves is, why does this holy God show grace and mercy to any of us when we are nothing more than wicked sinners? But that's exactly what he does. He shows us grace and mercy, which brings up my final point in this episode. 
and that is that God's free offer of grace will save you from the wrath to come. What is this free offer of grace? I mentioned earlier that we all have a terminal disease called sin. Fortunately, this fatal disease has a cure. But there's only one cure. There aren't any generic cures. The only cure for our sin is Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul explains in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, that Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. I read to you Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which tells us that the wages of sin is death. But that's only the first part of the verse. Even though the wages of sin is death, the verse goes on to say that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves you and wants you to have a relationship with Him. In fact, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 shows us how God demonstrated His love. This verse tells us that God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for sinners like you and like me. Today is the day of salvation. If you're thinking to yourself that you need to get your life in order before you give your life to Christ, I want to remind you that this is not how it works. Remember what Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, Even your most righteous acts are filthy rags. There's nothing you can do to get right with God. This is the point. Christ did all of the work for you. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 is telling you that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. It's not after you started to get your life in order. No, it's while you were a sinner that Christ died for you. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took all of your sins and all of my sins and nailed them to the cross. Listen to what God tells us through the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. He says, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it, to the cross. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, all of your sins are forgiven. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your sins and the complete record of all of your sins, even your most heinous sins, even the ones that might be running through your mind right now, all of your sins are nailed to the cross. All of your sins are forgiven. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God brings you from death to life. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're no longer God's enemy, deserving His wrath and righteous judgment. No, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are adopted as His son or daughter into His family, where you can call Him Abba, Father, and He calls you His child. So, I plead with you, if you're listening to this episode and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, please 
Do not sit on this any longer. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Today is the day of your salvation. You're listening to this episode today because God ordained you to be listening. Even if you don't want to listen, you are listening for a reason. Today is the day of your salvation. If you would like to put your faith in Jesus Christ, listen to what the Apostle Paul says you need to do. There's two steps, declare and believe. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 10, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So let me bring this episode to a close. The wrath we see being poured out in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and elsewhere in Scripture is a righteous judgment being poured out on the wicked. Your righteousness is nothing more than Ebola-contaminated rags which will result in your destruction. Righteousness that saves comes from faith in Jesus Christ. God's righteous judgment on the nations in Deuteronomy is a sample of His wrath to come. And lastly, God is offering to you a free offer of grace and mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ, who puts His saving righteousness onto each of us. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ and asking Him into your life to be your Lord and Savior will save you from all of your sins. I'll leave you with these comforting words from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's all the time that we have for today. Come back next time as I address another issue that confronts Christianity. God bless.